Good morning, River Ridge Church. Is this thing on? I think it is. Hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Dylan, and I am the director of student ministries here at River Ridge, which basically all that means is that I get to hang out with high school and middle school kids and talk about Fortnite all the time. Um, so I have been here since uh, I think mid-December-ish, and I've gotten a chance to meet a lot of you all, but I haven't had the chance to meet a lot of you all. So real quick, on the count of three, I just want you to say your name out loud to me, and then I will instantly meet every single one of you and never mess your name up again. Okay, so here we go. One, two, three. Somebody just said Dylan Frex. That was Matt Sand. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thanks for saying that, Matt. I know a lot of people aspire to be me. Um, so good morning. I am excited to be here and have the opportunity to speak with you guys in our series called What Keeps You Up at Night? Uh, the past couple weeks, Matt has been uh, starting this series off with a couple different things that keep a lot of us up at night. And the first week, Matt talked about stress. And if you're anything like me, you really feel stressed a lot of the time. And that's something that can definitely keep us awake at night. In the second week, Matt talked about another one, uh, difficult people. Uh, and I heard from a lot of you guys that that was super challenging in this past week as you were trying to figure out how to handle difficult people. Um, it's something we all have to work on, but we need to figure that out, right? Because a lot of times those difficult people keep us up at night. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those sermons yet, or you weren't here, uh, maybe you were sick or out of town or something like that, make sure you uh, either download the River Ridge app, make sure you go online, uh, or find some other way of listening to those sermons, because they were absolutely awesome. Um, so this week, we're going to get to talk about something uh, really, really close to my heart, because it's something that I fe uh, feel a lot and this week, our topic is what keeps you up at night, and the answer to that is fear, okay? And so uh, really quick, I want to go ahead and start off with a personal story of something that I feared when I was a little, little kid, and by little, little kid, I mean probably high school age. Um, that was a long, long time ago for me, but this was something that literally almost every single night kept me awake and afraid if this happens. So um, if you're anything like me, you've probably spent many nights awake for different reasons. One reason that I used to stay awake all of the time and uh, all the middle school and high school guys in here would be like, yeah, dude, uh, was playing Xbox or playing any type of video game. They're all like, yeah, place number one in Fortnite last night, dude. Uh, Pixar, it didn't happen. Um, but we used to stay up late playing Xbox. And I remember that one thing that really freaked me out when I was up late playing Xbox at three o'clock in the morning uh, was this uh, weird occurrence that happened every single night. And so around 3 a.m. while I was sitting there, you know, uh, playing Xbox and stuff like that, uh, enjoying way too much Mountain Dew and Doritos, and I am definitely paying for that now, um, all of a sudden I would hear outside the slow moving of a car. And I actually lived in Pinch, which is a pretty quiet neighborhood for the most part. And at 3 a.m., no one in Pinch is driving around. Everybody in Pinch shuts down about nine o'clock at night, and then they're just totally silent. Uh, but it's three o'clock at night, and all of a sudden, I start hearing uh, coming down my road, this slow moving car, right? And so I kind of look out the window, and I see the lights, and I'm like, okay, there's definitely a car out there. And so I'm playing Xbox, just trying to ignore it. And then, you know, I hear it. Rrr, rrr, rrr. 
And so it's like moving and then slowing down and then moving and slowing down. I'm starting to freak out. So I'm like, naturally, my first thought is that this person is someone casing the neighborhood so they can break into my house. And I don't know why they did that every day for the past 15 years at three o'clock in the morning, but for some reason, I thought that was the night that they were going to break into my house. So they would be driving down, and finally, as they got towards my house, I would say, enough is enough. I have to defend myself, and I have to defend my family if this madman breaks in. And so I'd run to my closet. I'd grab my wooden Looney Tunes bat that had Bugs Bunny printed on it and said Looney Tunes. It was really cute. I'd grab that thing. I'd go over towards the door and I would get ready because if that guy walked in the house, he was going to get whacked. So I'd run in my closet, pick that up. My heart would begin to beat out of my chest. I'd start to sweat. And because I was in high school, I hadn't figured out the invention of deodorant yet. So I started to smell and I started to get mad at myself. And now I'm freaking out. And the car starts slowing down, and then all of a sudden, thump, right? And I'm freaking out. I'm like, what was that? Oh, no, he's knocking on the door. Why is he knocking on the door? He should just break in. And suddenly, I realized as I looked out the window, and he pulled up to my house, his window opens. And I'm like, oh, no, this is so bad, guys. And then He throws a newspaper out the window, it lands on my driveway, and once again, fooled by the paper boy. And so, guys, I'm telling you, this was years and years of something absolutely terrifying for me, and I know it was irrational, but at the time, it seemed like something I had to be afraid of. And so today, we're going to talk about fears, and we're going to talk about how some of you guys have some irrational fears, things you work up in your mind and you play with them all the time and you come back to them and you're freaking out and you know they're irrational, but you keep coming back to them. And for some of you guys, you have very rational fears also. So I wanted to play a quick game real quick and I wanted to see if you can guess that phobia. So I'm gonna throw a word up on the screen and then you guys are gonna get a chance to guess that phobia. And then after that, I might ask you, hey, if you struggle from this phobia, raise your hand. And then you'll get to raise your hand, your neighbor will laugh at you and it'll all be great. So here we go, first one, put that word up there. Ophidiophobia. Does anybody know what ophidiophobia is? You can raise your hand if you do. No, awesome. Ophidiophobia is the fear of snakes. Does anybody have the fear of snakes? Anybody in here? Great, where's my mom? That is definitely her. Okay, second one, arachnophobia. Y'all know this one. That's spiders. Who is afraid of spiders in here? Great, a couple of you guys. Awesome, Haley Minsker, thank you for your honesty. Next one, aerophobia. Anybody have an idea of this one? Fear of aeropostle. No, no, <laughs> wrong. Jay Williams, wrong. Uh, this one is the fear of flying. Is anybody afraid of flying? There's a couple of you guys in here. And finally, uh, this is the last one, pantherophobia. I think all of us struggle from this one at least a little bit. Anybody know this one? Huh? This this one's awesome. This one is actually the fear of mother-in-laws. Does anybody struggle from the fear of mother-in-laws? Yes, honest, thank you. All the guys are like, I'm not raising my hand to that one. I am not about to get punched. Ah, sweet. So for many of us guys, the things that keep us up at night are our fears. For me, it was that irrational fear of the paper boy, right? That for whatever reason, I thought he wanted to break in, steal my Xbox and my Doritos, and then go on his merry way and do it all again the next day. Uh, And that was definitely irrational. But for some of you guys, like I said, your fears are very rational. The things you're dealing with in life cause you to be afraid. 
For me, one of my real fears is the fear of rejection with the kids that I'm serving. Because if you've ever worked with middle school or high school students, you know that they are really quick to tell you what, you, what they think. And for me, I am afraid that they will look at me and be like, who's the crazy fat man with the beard that's here again? Um, I'm, I'm supposed to, with Young Life, we're supposed to go to the school and like hold doors and hang out with kids. And I'll be honest, there are days that I wake up and I am afraid to do that. Maybe for some of you guys, your real fear, your rational fear is the fear of losing your job when your boss tells you that there's gonna be a round of layoffs. That's definitely a rational fear. Maybe it's the fear of failure when your spouse or your significant other says they're just not happy with you anymore. And you feel like nothing you do can ever measure up and you start to get afraid of what that'll bring about. Maybe it's the fear of family troubles when your child just isn't succeeding in school and things in your house get really tense. My family's felt that. There's definitely been days that I didn't do as good at school as I should have, and those days are hard. Or maybe, and this is one that may hit very close to home, maybe it's the fear of death when a parent or a spouse or a significant other or a grandparent or a kid has a bad medical diagnosis. Those are very, very rational fears. We all have fears. Some are rational, some aren't, but almost always our fears are definitely crippling, right? Right? They keep us up at night. Looking back, one of the reasons that I realized I was afraid of the paperboy was because I had a trust issue. I didn't know if I could trust the paperboy. I didn't know if I could trust the lock on the door. I didn't know if I could trust the Looney Tunes bat. And I definitely didn't trust myself to go hit that guy if he pulled out a gun or something. I had a major trust issue, and I think that that is tied to all of our fears, that we have some sort of trust issue. I want to start this morning just by putting you at ease and uh, making sure you all know I'm not going to get up here and yell at you and tell you because you have fears like you're bad people because I have them too. I want to start off this morning by telling you this. God understands that we will have fears. And just like they mentioned up here earlier, the Bible all the time says things like fear not, fear not, fear not, trust me, I'm here, I'm there, right? God is always saying that. In fact, in the Bible, he says it 366 different times, something along the lines of fear not. The coolest thing is the reason he tells us to fear not is because throughout all of our fears, God is going to be there with us. So uh, this morning, we'll be talking in Mark chapter 4. Uh, if you want to grab your Bibles out or your Bible phones out or whatever you use, uh, we're Mark 4.35 today. And um, I'll tell you guys the same thing I always tell the kids. If you're using your Bible phone, that's okay. But if I catch you Snapchatting, we're going to have a problem. Um, <laughs> I guess it probably doesn't apply as much to you, uh, you guys, or my grandmother back there, because she's like, Snapcat, what's that? Um, but you guys know, if you have Snapchat on your phone, don't be pulling that out. That's not the time for it. Uh, and we're going to get started this morning by reading through uh, this awesome example of a time where the disciples were fearful. Okay, And it says this. Um, in Mark 4, 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were other boats 
with him. I want to pause really quick and just say, how upset would you be if you had been following Jesus around all day, you were starving, and you just wanted to be with him, and he's like, I'm getting on this boat with my disciples, and the rest of y'all can go over there in those boats. I don't know about you, but that would be a little upsetting to me that I wasn't sailing around with the God of the universe. Um, But it happens, and that's what we have. And then in verse 37, things change. Okay? In verse 37, something really bad happens. And if you can imagine, paint this picture in your mind. Back in those days, they didn't have flashlights, iPhone lights. They didn't have big fluorescent lights or LED lights or cool stage lights. They had lanterns. And it says that it's at night and they're sailing. And this is what happens. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. And Jesus the guy that everybody should be counting on, was in the CERN uh, sleeping on a cushion. I mean, can you imagine the pandemonium as the disciples are running around, like bailing water out of the boat, like maybe trying to fix holes that had just popped up. Like they're just trying to keep this thing from sinking. And Jesus is down there in his sleeping bag chilling out uh, like he's camping or something. Right, he's probably down there with like his AirPods in, listening to like, you know, soothing ocean noises or like quiet piano playlists on Spotify or something. Like he's just chilling out and the disciples are losing it. And then it says this, the disciples, uh, very rude of them, by the way, woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And I can imagine this in like a very sassy voice. Like I imagine the disciples like coming up to him and like shaking him and he like wakes up and he's like, I need a glass of orange juice. And they're like, don't you care if we drown? And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll deal with it. Hang on. So it says this. He got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And then he goes to the disciples and he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, it's crazy to think about this, but the disciples had seen so many amazing things that Jesus had done. You and I get to read about those, but the disciples had seen them. They had seen him heal people. They had seen him teach with authority that no one else had. They had seen him go to the outcast and accept them and love people the way they were supposed to be loved. They had seen all this great stuff from Jesus, and still they were freaking out. And he says, why are you still so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Don't you trust me? And they were terrified. And then they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Yeah, I think this is amazing, guys. I think this story is cool because it is the story of all of us, right? Maybe we haven't been on a boat in like a storm, uh, but this is definitely something that happens to us. A storm hits, we freak out, Jesus shows up, and then everything is okay. We so often have these fears that are crippling and devastating and Jesus shows up into those fears and he says, peace be still and everything is quiet and it's back to the way it should be. My favorite part of this is uh, in verse 40. After the storm had been raging and after the disciples felt like they were gonna die, Jesus like casually walks up to him and he goes, hey dude, why are you so afraid? What you freaking out about, right? I think this is cool because he is calling out something in them and he's also calling out something in us that we need to realize. A lot of times 
our fears can be physically and mentally crippling. And some of you guys may be like, yeah, right now I am afraid of something, and it is wrecking my world. And we start to bring up excuses for those fears. We start to bring up reasons why it's okay that we be afraid. We say things like this. We say, I've seen this particular situation destroy people. I can foresee this situation destroying me. I feel all alone in this situation. Or this is the one that really hurts to admit, but all of us have said this. I feel like God isn't there or he isn't paying attention. And that is what was occurring with the disciples in that moment. But the thing is here, when we look at this, uh, we look at this account by the disciples, we have to call this out. This is a moment where the disciples were failing, right? And I'm going to give you guys the three reasons why I think that, and then we're going to close out with three kind of application points of how this can change your life. I think the first reason that the disciples were freaking out was because of this. They didn't realize that storms were normal, Right? I think that in the heat of the moment, the disciples lost their mind and they forgot that storms are very, very normal. So I want to take a quick poll out of, out of our group of people here today. How many of you guys have ever had something go wrong in your life? I'm looking for people who are lying. <laughs> They're a lot easier to pick out than the other ones. Um, guys, storms are normal. You and I are going to face storms throughout our everyday life for the rest of our life. This is just a reality that we have to expect. You know, you and I, when it comes to physical storms, we've been given this awesome thing called the Weather Channel that tells us that storms are coming. But the thing was, Jesus never told the disciples that the storms weren't coming. I think the disciples may have entered into this following Jesus under this false idea that once we start following Jesus, everything becomes perfect and happy and it's rainbows and unicorns. And Jesus never told them to expect that. So they should have had the expectation that storms are there. And then, guys, I think another big thing is most of the times when we're facing storms in life, you and I don't ask what we can learn from the storm, but we oftentimes plead with God to take away the storm. And in doing that, we miss out on something that he's wanting to teach us about life. When we're afraid and we say, God, I'm so afraid, just take this away from me, sometimes we need to face the storm. James 1.12 states this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. And maybe back in that context of the New Testament, they were talking about a totally different trial than you and I will face. But trials in my life usually consist of the things that I am fearful of or the things that I'm afraid of. Sometimes knowing that the storms can help, it can help us remain at peace, but sometimes that's only part of it. Maybe some of you guys in your Christian walk have said, okay, I expect the storms. I know bad things are gonna happen to me, but that's only part one. The second part is this. Uh, the disciples forgot who was in their boat, right? They forgot that this same guy they had seen heal the blind, heal the lame, heal the sickness, love everyone, that God of the universe was sleeping in the bottom of their boat. And I think there for a little while, they totally forgot about that. And I have to admit, in this story, I'm a little bit confused about something, right? I'm a little confused by this statement. Uh, the, seas are the storm hits, the disciples freak, Jesus wakes up, the seas are calmed, and then the disciples ask this question. They say, who is this man? Or if you're a uh, middle school or high school student, whose man's is this? Uh, I think is the relevant way of saying it. But who is this man? And this is funny to me because it's pretty obvious that they knew who Jesus was, 
right? It's pretty obvious because they had spent this time with him. They had listened to his teaching. In the same way that if you had someone you spent every day with, you would probably say you know them. The disciples were supposed to know Jesus. But maybe the uh, problem was they didn't understand the fullness of peace that Jesus could offer. Because they had seen all these things that he had done, but they just didn't get what he could do in their life. Or maybe this, maybe they didn't realize that at the sound of his voice, our storms can be stopped. That's amazing to me. I love, we sang uh, No Longer Slaves. That's an awesome song. Um, I love thinking about all the times in the Bible that God has either split the seas, stopped the seas, walked on the seas. Like, he loves the ocean. I love the ocean too. And basically, every time we see God interacting with the ocean, he says, I have power over this massive thing that you're afraid of. I can deal with it, right? And I think the disciples didn't realize that. Based on the people I've talked to, it seems like a common problem uh, for Christians that sometimes we think we know Jesus, but we don't really understand Jesus, right? Uh, The problem is, I think sometimes we spend so much time, and all these are good things, we spend so much time reading our Bible, saying our prayers, attending church, serving faithfully, that sometimes we miss out on something really important to our Christian faith, which is Jesus. I think sometimes we are so ingrained in these uh, Christian ways of life that we forget who the way of life is. And his name is Jesus. In Mark 8, 29, Jesus asks a really pointed question to Peter, and he says this. He says, who do you say that I am? And so really quick, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down and think about this week. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he in your life? This question is one that we should all contemplate and take time to answer Uh, because our understanding of God is the most important thing about us. We need to have some of this figured out. And so my question to you guys right now that are actually going uh, through some real-life fears is this. Think about it. Who is in your boat? Okay? And you may be like, I don't have a boat. I'm scared of water. That's okay. Uh, But here's the question. When your family is broken, who's in your home? Right? When your family is broken, who is in your home? What about this one? When your boss says there's going to be those layoffs that you're afraid of, who's right there in your office with you, right? When you're waiting on the doctor to give you that final diagnosis, who is sitting there in the hospital room with you? And when your fears are crippling and you can't seem to find peace, who is in you? You know, Jesus said when he was leaving the disciples, he said something along the lines of, I am great, but I'm going to send you someone much better, right? I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit and he's gonna live inside of you. And so when we're thinking about it and we're like, who's in my boat? It's not even as much that as it is, who is in me? And the answer is that Jesus and God uh, is there. In Ephesians 1.20, it says this. um, We get a really cool answer to that question. It says that the same God that resurrected Jesus from the dead is living in you. So when you're wondering like, how am I gonna survive this situation? How am I gonna get past this fear? Uh, God says, I am with you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not walk out on you. I am always here. And then he says, peace be still. And we can either accept that or not. A common question we ask in Young Life, so my Young Life leaders are gonna be like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Uh, A common question we ask is this. If Jesus could stop the wind and waves during that storm, what could he change in your life, right? If he can do that to the ocean and the raging seas, What can he do in your life? 
I think the final reason they had fear was because they didn't understand something crucial to our walk as Christians. They didn't understand the connection between fear and trust. You see, a lot of times we know that the storms will come. And a lot of times we're very in tune and we know who's in our boat or who's in our life. But the problem is we just can't take those fears captive, right? We just don't have that level of trust. I can imagine the scene when the storms came towards the boat and the disciples started to freak out, right? They are losing their mind, right? This is like Wildlife Club. It's insane. Uh, everybody's running each which way, grabbing like different objects and like throwing them off the boat. They're like, here's all our food we have. Let's throw that off the boat. Maybe it'll help us not sink. And so they're trying to do all this by themselves. They're relying on themselves to fix the problem. But the problem was what they needed to do was just place their full trust in Jesus. What if their first reaction had been to go down when the storm was coming up and just wake Jesus up and say, hey, like, I need help. This is going to be bad. And he could have came right up before anything, any of the storm had even started and said, yeah, go that way and push the storm away from them. But they didn't do that. So often, you and I place our trust in ourselves instead of placing our trust in Jesus. Uh, finally, when they wake Jesus up, he easily calms the storms and life is great. You know, guys, we can know that storms are going to happen. We can know who's in our boat. But if we don't know that we can trust Jesus, our life is going to be filled with fears that we can't get rid of. So today, I want to close us down with just a couple challenges to you all as we close out. Um, and then I think the worship team is going to come back up here and sing one more song for us. My first point for you guys is this. If you're taking notes, these are the big ones. Know that the storms are normal. If the disciples had watched the Weather Channel, if they had asked Siri, or if they had maybe even just like looked outside, they probably would have realized the storm was coming, right? They could have anticipated. You and I need to anticipate that storms are coming in our life. We need to anticipate that things are gonna get rough sometimes. Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, we have not been given a spirit of fear but we've been given a spirit of discernment. You and I should not have a spirit of fear. We should look out at life, know that things are gonna be difficult, and know that storms are coming. The second one is this. We need to know who is in our boat. The disciples had seen so many things that Jesus had done, not only for them, but for others. The disciples knew that they could count on Jesus, but they forgot that Jesus was there. You and I have seen in our life alone so many amazing things that Jesus has done, and a lot of times, we just forget that he's there. And then finally, we need to know the connection between fear and trust. As followers of Christ, the disciples had been taught to trust in them. And a lot of times, they would have said, I will follow you with everything in me. But when the rubber met the road, they were afraid, they were anxious, and they didn't have full trust in Jesus. No matter how long you've been a Christian, some of you guys in here may be new Christians. You've been a Christian for less than a year. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for uh, 60 years, right? We have different levels of time being Christians. But no matter how long you've been a Christian or what your spiritual maturity level is, you are always going to have to face fears and trials in life. And you need to know how to deal with those. So as we close down and the worship team comes back on up, um, I want to leave you guys with this, with this one last thing. And I think it's great because we sang that No Longer Slave song, and it just fits so perfectly. Um, it says this in 1 John 4, 18. It tells us that perfect 
love casts out fear. When we realize the love that Jesus has for you and I, and we really put our trust in him, we know that that perfect love of God, the love that only he can offer, will cast out every single one of our fears. And then maybe we'll be able to sleep a little better at night. I'm going to pray for us, and then the worship team is going to close us down. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all these people uh, that came out this morning just to hear a little bit about you. Um, And thank you for our fears because we know that in our fears we are being shaped by you. Help us to love you better. Help us to trust you better. And help us to realize that the things that are happening in our life are for a purpose. Help us to remember that storms are going to be normal and the Christian life is not immune to those. But when those storms occur, there is someone special in our boat and we can trust him. Help us to have a good Sunday and help us to leave here knowing how much you love us and care about us. In Jesus' name, amen.